there. Welcome to Ag Trends by AgVend, a podcast where we dig into a new era in ag retail and explore the strategies being used by pioneers in the ag industry. My name is Anna Cardoz, a product marketing manager with AgVend and your host. This week, we have part two of our chat with Shane Thomas, global digital ag lead at Farmer's Edge and author of Upstream Ag Insights. In the second part of our discussion, we dive deeper into how digital tools provide instant access to information for sales agronomists and customers, how that instant access can help folks discover efficiencies, what's been happening with the acceleration of adoption with digital tools and ag, and how giving customers a digital option enhances the customer relationship. We hope you enjoy. So one thing that you know, AgVend works really hard at is helping sales agronomists and helping kind of the entire organization, aside from leadership who may have decided that this digital tool was what they were going to do, is really understanding kind of the why and and what this actually means to them and how it can be incorporated into their daily lives to go back to those three things, save them time, give them that instant access to information and streamline those communications. So how are you seeing sales agronomists start to embrace or adopt this new technology compared to 10 years ago to today? And what do we think that that may look like in the next five, 10 years? Yeah, that's a good question. And so I think, again, it varies, but I think ultimately to, to make a, a general uh, comment, I, I think a lot of it is starting with how do, how, as an agronomist, how do I start out with a, a platform that I can do a crop plan on, that I can actually build out the initiatives that uh, need to have in place for this farmer, work with the farmer surrounding it. And, and I think from there, it goes to how can I stay up on what's actually going on with what has that farmer purchased. And so that's where the digital portal comes in. That's where being able to communicate with them in season comes into play. But then the the digital aspect, I, I don't think stops there. I think it comes down to being able to uh, stretch as an agronomist. And so being able to utilize some of the imagery, uh, in-season imagery to be able to manage where are you planning your week or where are you planning your day? Where are you starting out based on imagery or based on crop growth models? Those sorts of things are, are really starting. We're starting to see a, a lot of uptake. And I think it just starts with being focused on it and, and saying, hey, you know what, I'm starting my my day out and uh, this is where I'm going to go for the first 15 minutes. And I, I think the really, I don't know if it's been the biggest lie in, in agriculture and ag tech, but I think people have traditionally said that it's just, it's easy, you know, what this is going to be like Instagram where it's just in, everything is, is simple, but you have to be very, in, have intentions to actually build out a plan, build out a process, think about how you're going to utilize. And then it just becomes habit because we're, we're all creatures of habit. We're going to stick with what we've constantly done. And my, what I used to do as an agronomist, I'd wake up in the morning and, and just drive out to random fields. I mean, that's again, oversimplified, but I, I didn't have a plan in place. And had I had some of these digital tools uh, to be able to look at the crop plan for these specific customers, a way to communicate with them very simply, being able to access what they've purchased or not purchased, and then look at where are their crops and where do I need to be prioritizing today? I think that would have made me 10 times more effective. I remember driving 40 minutes one direction and then another 50 minutes another direction because I didn't take the time to to think about it. And I think, and maybe that's just me being uh, silly when I was younger, but uh, you know, I, I, I think that there's still some of that that goes on today in the industry. And, and so I, I think these tools that uh, we're starting to see is that they are, these agronomists are becoming more intentioned with it and being focused on how do I work, put this into my own personal workflow and how do I make sure that I am able to communicate with my my customers and, and add value to my customers and also communicate with my team back at the the retail office or, or within the, the head office, for example. And I think that's a part of it as well. And I think that's just starting to, to begin. And, and I think if we start to look out five years where you, you have the, the individuals that are crop scouts today, it's just 
for them, they had a, a platform in their hand. They were scouting with it, putting um, scouting reports into the, their phone. They were actually using models. They were using imagery. They were dropping pins, all these sorts of things, which when I, uh, to me, it was almost a, a hassle. Even as somebody that is passionate about technology, it was uh, kind of painful at, at the start. I was using some of these older, clunkier uh, technologies that were on Compaq iPacks or, or Palm Pilots and all that. And uh, I mean, that, that was, you know, kind of progressive, but it was, it was painful and it wasn't easy and it wasn't simple. And today we have such intuitive products being built out that do have all these things that give insight that you just can't get layers of insight from the imagery, from the models, from uh, weather data coming in that can inform where you need to be looking at or not go to if it just rained two inches the, the night before. And so I think a lot of this comes down to, we will see a lot more of that utilized and just in the the start of the day for the the agronomist and, and also the start of the year where uh, it's not, I am going to go out and sell seed. It's how do I get my farmer onto the data management platform that I want to utilize with them? And how do I build from that to, to work with them and, and ensure that they are going to have the most success? Because to me, planning is, is going to make farmers the most successful. It's going to make the agronomist the most successful. It's not necessarily selling them one specific variety of seed. While that's important, it starts with that plan and it starts with having a place where everybody can access it, everybody can see it, and there's an ability to kind of work through that, that process in season and, and be able to add layers of, of data on top of that. And so I think in the future, we will see a lot more of that because it does make so much sense and the tools and technology are getting that much better. It's something that uh, I'm excited about when I look five, seven years out. And I think that's the, the really cool part is that it's beneficial for the retailers and it's exceptionally beneficial for the farmer. Yeah. If you think about some of these sales agronomists too, and you know, they may have five, 10 customers, they may have 70 customers, right? Depending on mm -hmm. the size, depending on their location. Um, I know some of the retailers we work with, even within their own organization, some of their crop advisors have 15 and then some truly have like 60 customers that they're working with. And so I don't know how anyone would keep track of 60 customers information if you're using a notebook or even if you're using Excel sheets, right? Like you have yeah. to have some sort of digital repository, or I like to say like a virtual assistant that can kind of take care of all of that for you and ping you with reminders that, oh, Shane, Shane bought these products um, two weeks from now last year, make sure you touch base, check out what's going on and like really, exactly. uh, you know, really kind of stay on top of it because they're running on all cylinders. And we also know that growers don't necessarily want those uh, long drop in conversations anymore, particularly depending on the time of year, because they're busy planting, they're busy harvesting, spraying, whatever it is. And they may not have the time or the luxury to, you know, sit there and chat for a couple of hours with the sales agronomist kicking tires yeah. or whatever it may be. So to yeah, make visits, like you said, planned and even more efficient, I think we'll just continue to go back to saving time and making sure that everyone is really, you know, running to their full capacity. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, within that, when I look to the, to the future, you know, it starts with that plan and having that proper information in there and the farmer being uh, able to access and all that. But as I start to look at crop modeling and I start to look at um, being able to model nitrogen movement in the soil and all these different things, can you, you mentioned alerts from, Hey, so-and-so purchased this product a couple years ago or last year, or they purchased, you know, product A, B, and C, they could actually, if they purchase product D, they actually get a discount and all these sorts of things. But if you start to look at it from the agronomic perspective, can you get a alerts based on their crop stage, uh, say they have corn, uh, say they put down, I don't know, 150 pounds of nitrogen, for example, but the yield potential is significantly higher. The data has been taken into account. The model knows that more nitrogen is necessary. Can you get an alert saying, hey, you know what, you should be considering putting on 
more nitrogen or disease risk is exceptionally high. You need to consider um, putting on the uh, uh, fungicide. And, and again, that's not taking away the agronomist need. That's helping out the agronomist because the farmer still needs to know, okay, what what product, how do I actually put that into the tank? What are the nozzles that need to be used? And, and all these different components, water volumes that, that need to be uh, looked at. And, and everything is, is very specific. We tend to speak in generalities, but farmer A is going to have a little bit different setup and need than farmer B, uh, even though they may have got the same alert. So I, I think that's where some of this uh, evolution from a, an agronomy and a retailing perspective will, will go to. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I was having this conversation with somebody else and, um, you know, we launched our marketing package, which is coming out. And it does just that. Like you can filter based on people's purchase histories, their locations, whatever it may be. So, you know, come harvest time, if they have a variety of corn that's dropping ears, you know, what can you do to send a communication out to all those folks that purchase that seed variety and say, Hey, here's what to expect during harvest this year. Let me know if you want me to come out and help or meet and discuss any further. And also here are some varieties where we didn't see that happening, right? So it gives you an opportunity to also transition them into a different product. Maybe if it's something that they've been planting for a few seasons, or maybe it's something that in the current climate that we had, if it was a wet year, dry year, whatever, experienced a lot of those challenges. So what's something that's maybe a little bit more better suited for the environment soil type that they're growing? Yeah, it's huge. And to your point too, you said um, folks may be able to figure out like, oh, if you actually combine, you know, with these three products, you may actually be able to just buy this one. We see that too with our purchase history. We actually had a customer that was looking at his purchase history. He'd been buying 30 gallon jugs of Roundup and he realized he bought so many 30 gallon jugs that he could actually just buy a tote once a year instead of those four different times a year. And it ended up saving him over $6 a gallon. So he saved like 720 or some bucks. It also, when he was doing four pickups and four drop-offs for the jugs, when he was purchasing it, you know, four times, that's a lot of time. So it also saved him, you know, six trips round trip, which was a couple of hours of his time that he no longer was spending in the car going back and forth. And he was close to the warehouse, right? He was only 20 minutes away where, you know, I think about where I grew up, I think we're like an hour and 15 minutes away from our closest retailer. So you know, it's far for my dad to go and pick something up. So when he does it, he wants to get everything he needs at once. And it's really not convenient to make some of those like last minute or quick trips if you just needed another jug of Roundup. Yeah, I think that's that's huge. And there's there's so much value in that, whether we start talking about, you know, desiccants or the glyphosate or even uh, start talking about the the data that's there to be able to build out products based on all, all these purchase history. You can start to cross-reference, look at the data and say, hey, you know what, maybe we should actually bring in this product because this is going to save our, our customers time from slamming jugs or, or what have. Um, and so, I mean, we could probably go on all day about the, the potential to to actually apply that and think about it. But I think what hasn't necessarily been been done in retail, and it's no fault of, of retailers necessarily, is that retailers get so focused on execution because things happen so fast. And so they, their hair is blown back constantly. I don't really have any hair anymore, but uh, <laughs> retailers' hair is, is blown back constantly, just trying to keep up with the demands of what, what is needed in season. And then out of season, you, you try and get a breath, but then there's meetings and there's all these things going on. But I, I think it comes down to being like bringing some intentionality to it and saying, hey, we do need to prioritize looking at this and actually seeing where is there opportunity for us to build out new systems or, or plans or, or what have you, or have somebody or, or a 
team of people that are focused on looking at this because yeah, you know what, you may have added a little bit of overhead with that uh, new person or team, but all of a sudden, what is the opportunity in terms of selling a little bit more to your customers because your relationship is, is that much stronger, being able to bring in products that manage your inventory and streamline your, your uh, uh, transportation costs and uh, you know manage your programming and, and manage margins, all these different things come into play. And, and I, I think it, it gets uh, overlooked just because retailers have so much going on constantly. I've been there and there's, uh, it's, it's hectic and, and doesn't necessarily get prioritized. But I think, you know, when I start to look out again, I, I mentioned before I get asked, you know, who's going to win. And, and I don't necessarily think it's any specific strategy that'll necessarily win, but I do think it is going to be the retailers that prioritize thinking about these things, being strategic about it and uh, being open-minded to, uh, new ways of approaching it because we've just humans, again, we're, we're very, uh, creatures of habit. And so we, we really stick with, with what's been done. I know everybody talks about farmers do what their, their grandpa did, but retailers also do what, what uh, the previous uh, leadership team did. And, and there's no fault in that. That's, that's really how, how business tends to, tends to progress. But I, I think uh, the, where there's an opportunity to really change or, or make positive changes by taking the time to, to think about it and, and identify ways to be innovative. And, and there's, no, there's no shortcomings on, on the number of things that are out. Yeah. And I think that some of these changes or adoptions are only being accelerated right now. I don't know if you saw in Crop Life the other day, but you know, it's talking about how retailers are feeling the effects of COVID and not to be beat that dead horse. It's something that's still very much happening in the United States. I know Canada is a little bit different with how it's being managed, but you know, here in the United States, we're still very much feeling the effects of that. And I think it's only accelerated the digital trends and the digital adoption for retailers. And you know, 2020 season is is over basically for them to implement those tools, but how can they look forward to 2021 and ensure that they're ready and prepared if something like this happens again or for their customers who have determined, you know, digital tools or digital options are still valuable and yep. you know, kind of to your, the purchase history thing too. I was thinking about it. What a value add if your sales agronomist came to you as a customer and said, Hey, I see you buy this in 30 gallon increments. You could actually just buy it once and we could deliver it at the beginning of the season in the tote and you just return it at the end of the season. If you know, they have the return program and you've now saved that customer money. So that customer probably is more likely to continue giving you a larger chunk of your business because they just yeah. saved you some money. They made you a little bit more efficient with your time. And now they're also thinking about other ways that they can enhance your business. Yeah, hundred percent. And and I think you made a great point too, just around, you know, how, how are some of these changes going to really create these habits and, and create this uh, need to have some of these digital tools. And uh, I look at uh, the, the Microsoft CEO saying that uh, I think this was earlier in probably April or May. And he's like, you know, in the last two months, we've seen uh, things speed up over the course of what would be two years in, in terms of digital change. And, and that, you know, that was months ago now. And I think we'd even be at four or five or plus years because, you know, all this time that is being emphasized to uh, be away and be distanced and and uh, have to avoid travel and all these things builds the the timeline where people can build up that habit and, and look for different tools to manage it. And all of a sudden, you know, it, it doesn't seem like this is going to change too much in, in the short term anyways. And so again, that's just more time to really create and, and cultivate those habits. And uh, I think that's going to be uh, something that we will see shape again, we're, we're always going to see relationships, but the way you manage that relationship will be different. And I think that's something that gets really missed a lot of the time because people are like, Oh, you know, this is a relationship business. It's always going to be face to face. And I don't think anybody disagrees with that. But there's also going to be a 
a need to manage that relationship in other ways. And there's going to be ways that are beneficial for, for you to manage that relationship that those customers are going to like. Maybe that's using uh, different digital technology, but you know, it doesn't always have to be, be technology specifically either. I think we, we get into that habit as well, but um, just looking at different ways that aren't, like you said earlier, driving down that driveway and, and popping in for a conversation when farmers are busy, they're getting bigger, they constantly have so much going on. And so uh, I think that, yeah, it's going to be an interesting time. And, and even if uh, as a retailer, maybe you don't see things changing that that much, but I think this is a great opportunity to experiment with with some of those different tools and, and see what catches or what staff, I, I think getting the feedback from the staff about what they like or don't like is, is crucial. Getting that feedback from, from the customers and, and maybe this will even spur something where, you know what, maybe it isn't using uh, some specific digital technology like an AgVisor Pro or something like that, but maybe it leads into some other sort of uh, initiative that is beneficial and enhances the relationships, enhances the business and, and all those sorts of things. Yeah. You know, and there's the McKinsey study that's out there that um, a grower is nine times more likely, nine out of 10 times is more likely to trust the word of their advisor from what they've seen or researched online. But we also know that 45% of people prefer to reorder or repurchase online. So if you've bought this product for the last two seasons, or you bought the product at the beginning of the season, you find out you need a little bit more because your plan got adjusted, or maybe you decided to do more beans versus corn, a last minute decision, they want to reorder that product online. So by giving them that option or giving them those tools is really what I think those, the digital strategy boils down to is giving customers the option. And to your point, nine times out of 10, the customer is more likely to trust their their agronomists. And we know that that's never going to change, but you know, how can we just give them different avenues to interact in ways that are convenient for them? Yeah, hundred percent. And and as you start to see the uh, there's there's going to be increase as as businesses grow, there's always increased complexity. And and you know you, you see consolidation in in farms, and that's I don't think a trend that's going to change. And it, it might even speed up in the the coming years. And so uh, as those farmers get get larger, their businesses become more complex, and they're going to need more support through that. And they need to they're going to have more people that are involved in that business. So there there needs to be a management of that uh, information flow and communication and and uh, all those sorts of things need to be considered. And, and I think that's where uh, some of this technology and some of these tools uh, can can come in and, and really uh, enhance that uh, that experience and empower staff that um, I, I think a lot of these tools really do empower uh, the staff and empower the business. I know I talk about it quite often and I know others have, have said it before too, but when I look at people always talk about, oh, I need a digital strategy. And well, no, you just need a good strategy and look for ways that digital can enable that strategy. Digital tools and technologies are enablers of strategy and, and they they are empowering uh, staff as well. And so look for ways to be able to use those, those pieces of, of technology to enhance your business, not necessarily have this, you know, separate digital strategy and have staff cut off from it. It, it is about really that integration and, and uh, that focus on, on working as, as one unit, not silos. Yeah. And you mentioned this a few moments ago um, about getting that feedback, right? And I think it's across the entire organization from the operations team, the logistics teams at the warehouse, finance, admins, yeah. sales agronomists, like really getting their feedback with the digital tool. And that's something at AgVen that we really try and do is, you know, we don't just say, okay, you're live. Great. Good luck. You know, like any digital tools may. Um, what we do is we constantly are meeting with those folks every week to check in, see what's working, see what's not working, see what's resonating with the sales agronomists and their customers and see what needs to be changed. Right. Because if, if the technology is not meeting the customer or the sales agronomist or the operations team's needs, 
it's never going to be utilized. And so you can't be too proud to say like, I built the perfect program. Everyone's going to love it. You know, you have to be able to make those changes and kind of have a roadmap that anticipates the ag retailers needs, which anticipates the customer's needs. And so by realizing that and being almost one step ahead. So the ag retailers one step ahead. So their customer is always, always happy. And it makes that retailer very sticky to do business with, right? Because exactly. they have everything the customer needs and, and wants and before they even realize that they need or want it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and I think it, it comes down to, you know, I, I talked about a technology stack earlier. And, and I think if you look at traditional retailers have been really inward facing saying, hey, how do we do this all ourselves? How do we manage all of this ourselves? But really, with the way the speed of things that are changing nowadays, it, it's uh, you can't keep up as as uh, one organization. Technology is just just too crazy fast, and and it's tough to to manage the costs and all those things. And so you need to look for uh, that stack and those partners to be able to to come in that are thinking um, out and advanced and saying, hey, what do we need to be building out? What does this need to look like? And and you can have that that specific you know line item as a cost, but that that's benefiting your organization, whether that's through an egg vendor, or through a farmer's edge or, or what have you. They're focused plain and simple on making things better for the farm customer and for you as a retailer. And, and uh, you know, we talked about it earlier. Retails are busy doing the, you know, the, the logistics, managing the relationships, the things that are core to, to a retailer today and uh, services and all that. And, and so if you can actually find that trusted partner and somebody that has those digital capabilities that uh, will work with you and support you like what you're like what you're talking about that, that yourselves at Eggben do I think that's crucial and that is something that is going to be be huge to um, making sure as a retailer that uh, you're better off in in uh, the longer term by making those partnership uh, and partnerships and and having those conversations yeah and I think that's something that a lot of folks consider when they're you know thinking about if they have an IT team and they have the budget to do it whether they should build internally or use an outside third party. And it's really fascinating yeah. to kind of hear some of um, those considerations and the timelines that may be, you know, considered if you're building internally versus with a third party. And to your point exactly, technology changes incredibly fast and having something that's mobile first and having something that is current is table stakes when we think about what customers and what um, retailers expect. And so, yeah, it's, it's an interesting conversation. Um, Alexander actually wrote a blog on it. That's pretty interesting to see kind of what those considerations are and, and how those timelines change or, or may change if you're building it internally, depending on the size of your organization. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I, I read that. I mean, he always has great, great posts. I love reading what, what he writes. And, and uh, you know, when I, I look at that, I, I hear a lot of the objections from, from retails being, you know, what if, what if so-and-so company gets purchased or what if they go under and, and all that and it's you know these are always going to be challenges in in every industry around that but at the same time what's the contrasting uh, you know what's the trade-off or the opportunity cost well you can invest in it yourself spend a lot of money move too slow and actually be further behind than if you did commit to working with that that tech company that maybe they did get acquired or whatever but you got the experience all the way along the the line you got the understanding you got to see what you value in a partnership all these sorts of things uh, instead of being left behind potentially by uh, trying to invest in it yourself and I think there's certain organizations that, that can manage investing in a lot of this yourself you know, you look at Nutrien, they're doing a lot of very fascinating things and building out their strategy and kind of their initiatives and, and acquiring, but that isn't uh, an option for a lot of uh, a lot of retailers. And there's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't mean you can't compete with the Nutrients. That doesn't mean you can't be successful. It's just about being sure that you are getting the experience that you need with those products, making sure that you're working to support your customers and, and not missing out on, on some of those opportunities in, in the short term, because I mean, we can all get way too caught up in, in the long term and think about all the what ifs and, and uh, that's going to probably put you further behind. In, in the long run anyways. 
Yeah, man, Shane, we've covered a lot of really great topics today and I really appreciate your time. Um, You know, before I ask you my traditional final question, is there anything else that you kind of want to share with folks about Farmer's Edge, about what's going on in your world? Um, Anything that we didn't get a chance to really dive deeper into today? No, I I think, uh, you know, overall touched on everything I I really wanted to, you know, I I do think that one of the things that uh, Farmer's Edge, for example, we've been looked at traditionally is going to to the farmer, but uh, we do work specifically with with retails, which uh, I think is really exciting building out those partnerships. I love retail as, as hopefully comes through in, in this. And I, I think uh, there's a lot of cool initiatives and, and tools that uh, Farmer's Edge can deliver to, to support retailers. And so uh, that's something that uh, that I did, did want to touch on. But other than that, I, I loved the conversation talking about uh, about retail. I could talk about this uh, all day. I'm pretty passionate about it and, and where it's headed and, and all those different things and, and love what uh, what you guys are doing at, at Eggbend. I know I got hooked up with uh, Alexander and I don't know, probably two years ago now or something like that and have been sporadically conversing with him uh, over that time frame and, and always learn something new from him. I think he's got a great perspective. And, and so uh, I love what you guys are doing there. I, I love having the opportunity to meet and talk with you as well. And so, yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been been awesome. Yeah, we'll make sure that you are back on the podcast again and we'll chat about, you know, in six months, how everything's changed completely from what we thought it would be today. Yeah. Um, so my traditional last question, and I think you have a pretty interesting one. So what is the craziest thing that you've ever done for a customer? Yeah, I don't know. I've been, there's I know when you mentioned this, I was like, oh, there's a few things that I didn't do that would be interesting stories to tell on here just based on requests from farmers. Um, But uh, I think probably the most PG, but, and not necessarily that funny or crazy. But uh, when I first started out in the industry, I I was an agronomist, as I mentioned, and I I worked in a small town of Rosetown, Saskatchewan. And I went back to visit some friends one weekend in Lethbridge, uh, Alberta. And and I'd actually decided to, I mean, I came back and was was driving back and I texted uh, one customer saying, Hey, you know what? I'm hearing that there's a birth of army worms. We, we should maybe check that tomorrow. And, and he texts me, Hey, Hey, I'm a little bit buzzed right now. So can you come drive me home? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is not how I expected this uh, this conversation to go. But yeah, hey, sure, I, I can support you on that. So uh, I drive back at six hour drive, pick him up in, in Rosetown, um, grab him. He's telling funny stories and all these sorts of things. And then he decides, hey, you know what, let's go and uh, scout the fields right now. We might as well. That's the best time to scout for birthdays anyways, you tell me. So uh, we go out and all of a sudden him and I are, you know, getting to see him with his, uh, you know, happy face on, I guess, so to speak. He was a big, uh, big, burly, intimidating individual, but he was pretty loose. And so it was kind of an entertaining. Uh, uh, thing that uh, got the opportunity to to scout and, and be able to support uh, his business and get to know him a little bit better. And I, I thought it was kind of uh, kind of interesting that hey, you know, just trying to set up a, a basic uh, call for the next day turned into uh, you know getting to build a relationship with uh, with that individual and and uh, support uh, his business. Yeah, well, and it sounds like it was a pretty long drive to be his DD. So you know, I yeah, think- I was, yeah. I, sorry, I should clarify. I was already coming home, and so it was only like uh, I was already coming home, and uh, I would I was probably an hour outside of Rosetown. And he lived about 20 minutes outside of Rosetown. And so uh, it wasn't too crazy. It was, uh, I think, just more, uh, you know, typically I'm the type of person that just likes to uh, I get home after spending a weekend with some friends or buddies and, and I, I need to kind of unwind. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I was like, oh, man, this is this is crazy. I think I was 22 at the time, just like oh, I'm going to go spend it, pick up this uh, this customer. I don't know that well. And and uh, DDM, like uh, what's going on here? And, and yeah, it turned out to be uh, something that uh, enhanced the relationship and ironically still talk to him to this day. Even though he's not a not a customer, but yeah. well, even though that was a PG story, I think it was a pretty good one, and you know, <laughs> good on you for helping him arrive home safely, and also yeah. took yeah. advantage to uh, build the relationship. I think in yeah. a very different way. So that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for being on the podcast today, Shane. We really appreciate it, and we will chat with you soon.
Yeah, thanks again for having me and looking forward to, to uh, staying up on what AgBen's doing. Thanks for tuning into Ag Trends and part two of our chat with Shane Thomas. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us with the information in the show notes. See you next time. Thank you.